And then it was like year three, I had met with my lawyer, was like, I think I'm gonna have to, I guess I'm, I'm losing, this is it, it's over. And all of a sudden something just clicked and it, I was well, like, you can pay the bills. What do you think it was? I think it just takes time. You know, like I had a, a pretty well-oiled machine in Wilmington, but when I came here, the customers, they don't want the same stuff that they want in Wilmington. So I had to learn how to adapt. Why, why, why Raleigh? Raleigh has such a good soul. Where is home? Right now I'm making a home in Raleigh. We started a business that is really just betting on Raleigh. This is a podcast about a medium-sized, mid-Atlantic American city growing at an unprecedented rate. Only Austin has a higher growth rate over the last five years. It's one of the top three hottest job markets in America, according to the Wall Street Journal. Hosted by a Raleigh-born millennial producer and media consultant, Flo Lumsden. That's me. With co-host, former New Yorker, Jen Exer, relative newcomer to Raleigh, story and brand consultant slash writer, Chauncey Zalkin. Flo moved back here to make this her forever home. Chauncey was looking for a good place to raise her kids that shared her values and provided opportunities and was pretty to look at. She'd never lived anywhere so polite. Hi, I'm Flo. And I'm Chauncey. Welcome to the Why Raleigh podcast. A podcast about Raleigh, North Carolina, Exploring what makes this city what it is and what it will become. For 21 years, Jessie Williams has run her independent and very stylish shop, Edge of Urge, adding the menswear store and bar Unlikely Professionals, a store at the Raleigh Durham Airport Root and Branch, and her Airbnb dubbed Cute House into the mix. Giving to the community is central to her business model, and she's raised considerable funds for reproductive and LGBTQ rights, as well as an organization that provides healthy food to children. And I know you also had a beauty brand or a beauty store that you don't yeah. mention yeah. more recently. Yeah, R.I.P. I remember it. Yeah. I, Revive? Re- renew. Renew, okay. Renew, house of self-love. It was probably oh. one of the most beautiful spaces that I've ever created. It was really hard to let it go, but you've yeah. had m- so much success <laughs> was like, and you could do it again <laughs> if you want to. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe one day I felt like it was a few things were wrong. It was a little too early and it was a horrible location for that concept. Where was it? It was right downtown on Wilmington Street. It was a stunning space. Beautiful light. Ugh, it was awesome, but. It's just not, that's not the, the location. And I know better than that. Come on, Jesse. <laughs> because of the walking? It just wasn't the right, the right spot for that product assortment. That customer's not cruising right there. During yeah, you know hours. where it might be good is in Cameron Village. Maybe. I don't know if that's That's not vibe. your vibe. It's I know. Vibe. I know. So these are not even my questions, but I have so much <laughs> to say. I will, I'll, I'll say that I just wrote to a few people. This might end up just being one season I might end up doing another kind of podcast later because I love interviewing people. I started my career doing ethnography and trend research in New York. And I tend to go into stores and just talk to the owner for an hour (laughs) because I just love meeting store owners. So let's just start with the content you provide the community. Okay, so it's fashion, jewelry, books, and creative gifts. It's a vibe. You're clearly drawn to a strong aesthetic. Can you describe that aesthetic and what it means to you? 
how you might have arrived at the colors and the feeling you give when people walk into your stores? Oh, I am not a minimalist by any means, which is hilarious because when I first opened the Raleigh location, I was like, it's going to be really beautiful. You know how those people that have the stores where the floor is white and there's three things on the shelves. I was like, I'm going to do that. And you look back on pictures and you... <laughs> like helmet laying or staff right 90s now, minimalism. see those pictures, they're like, what even is this place? Um, <laughs> Did you start that way? Did you have a space like that? Here in Raleigh, it started that way. Oh, wow. And it is like unhinged maximalist, just a wild, wild wildness. Hold on, and I it. love it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it unhinged. I'd call it <laughs> hinged maximalism. It's very fun. I love color. I love sense of humor. I went to School of the Arts in Winston-Salem, and it was beat into our brains. Presentation is everything. My mom was a photographer. Presentation was everything. So it's always been in my blood. So somebody could make something really beautiful and the packaging could just destroy the whole thing. So if brands reach out to us, one of the things that I would say would be, oh my gosh, I love it. It's beautiful. For us, the packaging isn't doing your product justice or something like that. So while it's very playful, there is a seriousness that's the underlying thread that kind of runs through it out. But I would say overall, the aesthetic would be colorful, playful, girl power, people power, (laughs) human rights. I wish I could be a doctor or somebody who could save the world, a scientist, but I'm not. So I try to use my platform and use my powers for good. So anything that can give back, warm hearts, stand up for people who need extra support, that would be my aesthetic, I love I guess. it. Maybe you take for granted that it is hard to, if you have something in here in your head and to get it out in the world. There's a huge chasm between the idea and getting it out there it could often get lost in translation or just not work out i think that there's that pinterest show nailed it some things don't work out (laughs) so is there something in your process when you are creating a new environment a palette or a way that you create a mood board or something to arrive where you want to arrive from what's in your head i think minus my process is just so experimental after School of the Arts, I went to the Art Institute in Chicago. I was going to be a fashion designer, and I was so excited. I have all these ideas, and then they were like, okay, well, first you need to draw them. And I was like, girl, no, <laughs> that's not how I work. I can't do that. Same in the business part. Make a business plan. Okay, I did that. I tried. It put me into a three-year paralysis, like when I was trying to grow my business. Like, I, I can't plan like that. I can't plan ahead. I have to, I'll paint this whole room orange and I'll get the last little part in and I'm like no orange doesn't work I have to see it I have to see it so is that what you was that is it's iterative your process then so you did you go into the space and start playing with it yeah Mm -hmm. I mean I have ideas like oh I think I'm gonna do this and then I'll do it and I'm like no right (laughs) yeah not work or let me try this or when I was making clothing I would make something and I would say somebody try this on just so I can see what it looks like and they'd put it on backwards, and I would be like, oh my God, that's even better, yeah. you know? So there's lots of happy accidents. Oh, I love that. But I, I do really enjoy working with people to help them through that process. Do you do that? So I yeah. Do. I used to do it a lot more. Since I have my daughter, my free time is, is much smaller, but I, I do enjoy, and I have like this- a me- Like mentorship or? Yeah. Yeah, how does that work exactly? Do people come to you and say, hey, Jesse, I want to do this thing and 
Yeah, usually, you know, it happens outside of the shop is when somebody has this idea and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, you could do this, you could do this, you could do, and it it turns into this whole thing. I'm I'm super excited about that. And I have, I've tried a few different iterations of mentoring programs and it's still in my bucket list of something to have a more formalized platform to work with, with makers and small business owners, just because I have so much experience and I have messed up so many times that I could just help people not make those same mistakes. I love that. That You know what I like, (laughs) I love also is that, so I have a, I think so many people are coming out with courses and coaching and I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. I am the victim of one of one such course, and I knew better because I already had written an article for Inc. about being careful about coaches and that people, I think, often they you know, prey on the vulnerable. Yeah, and you have to go through it and do the work. And it is nice to have mentors, but people are paying for courses, and I think that there is not enough regulation on what you get yourself into because it's often like you better pay me today, or the mm-hmm. offer will end, and it's 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 quite predatory. And it's become normalized to do this. So I love the energy of just you're clearly coming from a place of wanting to help people and making it systematic in some sort of way. We've gotten to a certain point where we, we need to raise the flag about yeah. what do you think about that kind of thing? I, there's some that are really good and some that are really bad. And it's just a partnership, somebody you learn really well from, but you don't know until you try. I've signed up for some courses and I feel like it was not helpful for me or some that I'm like, oh, I learned this or I mean, I love learning I love learning new skills. I think for me, the biggest challenge into launching something like this, I tried a few years ago. When I moved to Raleigh, I was going to do the Mama Bear Project. We were going to have all, so too many Oh, my ideas. God. I, you were like, we have to be friends. So <laughs> I know. I'm, I, uh, well, how old is your daughter or She's son? six. Oh, mm-hmm. I have nine-year-old twin girls. Oh, my gosh. I'm a single mom of nine-year-olds, and I moved here basically to raise them here because I just thought, oh, this is a and great place to raise kids yeah but I anyway I'm gonna get to it but I love creative community and I have been seeking that here and haven't really quite found it but it's hard when you're a mom and a single mom especially to you're not like out and about all the time Mm -hmm. so anyway we'll get to that so you you talk a little bit in your bio about your humble origins painting magnolia leaves (laughs) that you sold in your yard I love the picture of that because it does start there I think for people where did you grow up Tell us a little bit about your childhood and what drew to art in the visual world. Yeah, I grew up in Greensboro, not too far away. My mom was a product and fashion photographer. She had her own business. My dad is an engineer, so he's more like... <laughs> we <laughs> Left brain? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like the com- they were complete opposites, but both very dedicated to what they do. And uh, so I feel like I got a little bit of both of those. And I grew up being in the studio with my mom around like all the makeup artists and her set design and all that stuff. So I think I was just exposed to art or the artistic side early. There was just something in me that I think when I just, I really loved the fashion element of it. So I think I, for me, it was like, how can I get there? How can I get there? And drawing and music was just something that really lit me up. And the rest of the school part was just so hard for me. It just came the art, music, all that stuff came naturally. Did you have good a good arts education where you grew up? No. <laughs> no, I mean, like, elementary, middle school, high school was just, bleh. I was drowning in high school. And I remember crying to my parents, like, I can't learn this way. 
And they helped me get into a school for kids with learning differences. And once I got there, my grades just shot up. It was just, I test differently. Everybody learns differently. I know. We all know that, but in school, you have to test the same way. Well, education is so institutionalized. It's like prison. It's designed by the same organizations and designed in the same way. And I think things are changing, but we haven't really updated our education process since the 50s. Yeah, I'm just learning about it now with my daughter now in kindergarten. So I, I was traumatized hardcore in school. So I've been fighting for her to be like, she can't, that can't happen to her because <laughs> she's so smart. That can't happen to her. Oh, there's so many great schools yes. here. Oh, yeah. Here, I feel like anything is going to be better than what we yeah, have. Yeah, it, 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 it's changed so much. But. I went to Montessori schools. My kids were in a Reggio school when they were little. And in South Carolina, it's a long story. But I love more alternative education, child-led, and all of that. And now they're at Washington Elementary. And yeah, I just I've heard love. that it's awesome. It's so nurturing. Mm-hmm. It's so inclusive and so experimental in the way they approach every subject. And I'm just beyond impressed. And you can't really go wrong with schools in Wake County. The magnet schools are so many good ones. Yeah, I feel very fortunate yeah. about that. You're not going to have that same problem of just one size fits all, I don't think, here. Yeah, for sure. But from there, I went to schoolyards in Winston-Salem, and that's really the place that set the tone for everything for me going forward. Anything's possible, and presentation, and how if you want to get something, you need to present yourself in this way to be taken seriously. So it set the tone for me, and from there, I just threw everything at the wall. (laughs) Tell me a little bit. You mentioned presentation a few times, and I think not everyone will understand what that means exactly, because it is, again, really difficult. You obviously have a, a, a talent towards the visual. What do you mean? Let's dive a little bit I'd into the like, presentation. Because there's so much talent out there, for instance, Clyde Fowler, the dean of the art department there, so many amazing painters, right? So he's like, you could be in a gallery, and then this person beside you is absolutely beautiful, but it's just slapped up on the wall with fingerprints everywhere and there's no care. And then there's yours that is also beautiful, but is presented in a way that you're professionally, like people can really see the artwork. They're not focusing on- The frame, on, the lighting. Yeah, all of those, attention to detail. Attention know? to detail. That's it for me. It can be almost problematic because somebody will post a picture and I'm like, oh my God, that hanger's crooked. No. Yeah, <laughs> I always say I get like an eye twitch when yeah. something's wrong. No, yeah. I don't like this. I feel, I don't feel this. Yeah. I'm a a little on the extra side of it, but I feel like it served me well in a lot of ways. Do you know who Diana Vreeland is? No. Oh, That sounds really... I've just opened a world for you. She was the editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine for many years. I wrote my thesis on Vogue magazine and its formation of female identity when I was in school. But she was like what you're describing, just extremely exacting in particular mm-hmm. she was the one one of her quotes is she said that pink is the navy blue of india and if you get it you get it yeah and everything she says was like that she um wrote a column before that in harper's bazaar and i think it was did you know or why don't you yeah and it was these little ideas and it was all about just making your life very pretty yeah and, and interesting and you have it or you don't that that i yeah she's Amazing. We're going to have to talk offline about Diana Vreeland and I'll show you some stuff. It's so funny because I love fashion. Well, I have mixed feelings about it now, but for somebody who was so diehard about it, I was like also equally not wanting to look at it or to look at magazines growing up because I wasn't skinny. 
I wanted fashion for real people, and so all the rest of it was just a bunch of middle fingers. I'd be inspired by the wild fantasy costume, but other than that, I didn't want to look at any magazines because I grew up with my mom being a fashion photographer, and there were all these beautiful women all the time that were so perfect. So anything <laughs> fashion, I'm like, no, I have no idea who that is, which is so funny because that was what I wanted so bad for so long. You're right, and I think that you, now we've come into a totally different time as far as body image and what fashion is and who, yeah. who it belongs to, mm-hmm. belongs to everyone. And yeah. that's a huge evolution that's still taking place. You still have the other oh, it's so end behind, of the spectrum of yes. like <laughs> people just trying mm-hmm. to reach this weird kind of not very attractive standard of, of fake face. And mm-hmm. so both things are coexisting, but I definitely think there's way more room being carved out, obviously, for all kinds of people yeah. to, to be included. And it's a little boring if it's all this tiny, skinny, skinny, tall women. That's just not, not only not realistic, but it's it's one thing. Mm-hmm. So I want to get, get your education things, because yeah. you went to a few art schools. I didn't know about the one you just mentioned uh, in Wilmington. Winston-Salem? In Winston-Salem, oh, sorry. This was awesome. Was it? <laughs> it's, so, it's so cool. What, like, well, what's the name of the school in Winston-Salem? North but... Carolina School of the Arts. Okay. And so they have, you can go there for high school and college. The visual arts program is only two years. So I went for my senior year in high school and my freshman year in college. But you could do junior, senior. They do dance, film, theater, the arts. So it's not just visual arts. That's great. Music. It was it was such a So did you go there for college or high I went there for my senior year in high school and my um, freshman year in college. And then you went to the School of the Art Institute in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which is a great I school. I love that school because there were no declared majors and I was like think I want to be fashion or photography and I got there and I started doing fashion and I was like this blows I started doing photography and it got too technical and I was like this is boring so I ended up (laughs) doing performance art and sound engineering so I thought when I graduated I was going to be working in a recording studio like recording bands musicians oh my god that's not at all you're just a creative person (laughs) I love uh, yeah I have to have your oh. fingers in lots of pots. Your mm-hmm. mind goes quickly. I so am, we ideas. are the same. Yeah. We are the same. <laughs> I get it. I'm, I'm like, it's <laughs> a gift and a curse. <laughs> if you have to be able to ride the waves and you have to let it go or, or say, I'll get back to you on another season of life. Yeah, but you've maintained a, a store presence and evolved <laughs> a thing for 20 years. That is no small feat. Yeah. Just quickly, you went back to, you went to FIT also? I went there just for a winter program, but. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did you come away with from art school where you felt compelled to launch this particular career? Or was there a bit of a journey before you got to your final destination being retail? Nothing from school made me want to open Edge of Verge. <laughs> I was actually working in a record store in college and I had picked up knitting again. And so on my breaks, I would knit under the counter and I was making these scarves because when I would ride my bike to school and work my scarf would fly off in Chicago I was like this is so annoying so I I knitted these scarves with they were short and had these vintage buttons on them and they would stay on and they were so cool they were like the rock and roll version I mix all different kinds of yarns and all of my favorite like pukey green and hot pink and it was just so fun my friends wanted them so I started giving them away and then I tried to sell some and I went to to my favorite stores that I thought would really appreciate it and just got one no after the next after the next and then my mom called one day and she was like Jesse 
I'm in Wilmington with a friend and there's this cute little storefront. I think you should just pack up all your stuff, move here and open a store and you could sell your, your knitted scarves. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> Where? This is completely out of the blue. What are you talking about? She was like, just come to Wilmington, buy a plane ticket and I'll get us a place to stay and we'll chill for the weekend and you can just check it out. So long story short, I went there, fell in love, signed a lease, came back to Chicago, packed up all my stuff and drove to Wilmington. And I signed a lease on this 400 square foot space that was the storage room for this open air market called the Old Wilmington City Market. And the floor was at a severe angle. And <laughs> I mean, it was, it, was, it was a special space. I had to learn how to build a floor so I could have at least some flat space in there. And did you um, look at like the market of who would no. buy or I didn't even know to do that. No, <laughs> all I knew. How old were you? Let's see. I'm 44 now. Subtract 21 years. That's how old I was. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not a mathematician. Um, but anyway, you would definitely need to be a mathematician. That's like that's my kind of math. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked my friends in Chicago if I could take some of their artwork or their jewelry with me and I would pay them once it sold. And most of them said yes. So that was my inventory. It was all free. I remember I had one of those credit card machines that was like. I used to have one of those too. <laughs> Everything was handwritten. Yeah, I made $1,000 in the first day. You did? I did the night before. And I was like, I think I'm going to start making clothing again. And I had hand sewn this dress. I finished it. And this woman bought it for four hundred dollars for My her God. wedding dress. <gasps> I was like, that is the most validating is thing. Yeah, and it just, it just. Do you still make clothes? I I don't anymore. I just don't have time. I gave away all my fabric last year to. Did you? But did you make clothes? I mean, after that. For oh a long yeah, time? yeah. I made like wedding dresses, swimsuits. I made swimsuits. so many clothes, so many things. I did see swimsuits in your bio, and I and I didn't. Under, yeah, I was like swimsuits. Like reversible swimsuits were my thing, and it, they would. So I had. It's quite technical. Like yeah, but I just figured it out. Like stretch material, so like spandex is. Oh, you have man. a lot of technical skill. See, if I didn't, you didn't get your degree in fashion. No, I quit before we even started sewing because I couldn't draw. I didn't want to draw these skinny people. It made you? me so mad. I was like, this is horrible. I don't want to be a part of this. I'm out. But now I'm like, can oh, you I'm sew a bathing suit yourself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That's hard. Well, I guess you use a pattern. I made some for myself and then I would cut them apart and make a pattern from it. Oh, and wow. then I found a woman who taught me how to grade them to different sizes. I'd come up with a design and then I would grade it. So I'd have it from extra, extra small to 4X or whatever. And then people would come in and I would have fit sizes. Were they bikinis? All bikinis? Bikinis and one pieces. But you could come in and try it on. And I could say, oh, that looks so great. But I think for you, if we cut the leg up a little bit higher, it'd be way more flattering yeah. Custom on your body. Bespoke yeah, so we bathing custom suits. Customized them. And I did that for a really long time. And then my hands just cramped up. I had started, yeah, I couldn't hold scissors anymore. And so I took a break. I tried to get into some people to help me with manufacturing. But at the time, I was like, North Carolina, come on, this is the place. Places are dying. Let me give you guys some business. And they're like, we love your business, but we need you to order 300 size small black in this one style. Right. And I was like, I don't need 300 small. I need 300 but I need some in this color and some in this color and need all these different sizes, but small machinery, batch, yeah, right. there's, the machinery wasn't cut out. They have these big giant knives that like cut through. Now there's more places and I feel like my heart just kind of. There's, are there a lot of places that 
textile places still alive? Places and now, I quit looking after a while, but I'm seeing like newer brands pop up and having some small batch things made because I think there was a there's a demand for it now. There wasn't a demand then, but yeah, it's a little little sad place in my heart was letting that go. But I keep telling myself <laughs> we all have seasons of life, and maybe I'll come back, and maybe I won't. And I ended on a high note. You were always wanting more. That's part of life is that you're just, yeah. Well, I just have so if, if, what if you were done? So. You need to have another North Star or another thing. Mm-hmm. From the outside, it looks like, oh, you have this wonderful career. You've done all these things. But of course, you have more projects that you want to do and oh, more yeah. and I dreams. Everybody, w- that's what keeps us going. And the, o- the only way I've had success is when I have been able to put real focus mm-hmm. on a project at a time. You flow. Know? You need to get that flow. Ooh, yeah, I got to get up in there. Um, and I just, I cannot, I don't have concentration. The I don't swaths have enough of time. pieces of time to do some of these big creative projects that I used to do or that I want to do. Well, there's a time and a season for everything. That's what I keep telling myself. And you have a six-year-old. Yeah, right now I'm in. And a couple of different places. My daughter's season. Yeah. <laughs> we do all our creative stuff together at home, and I love her like wildfire. And so whenever I start to, that, doubt or whatever kind of creeps in i'm like yeah but you did this and you did this and you still have plenty of time to do things yes i totally get that i write fiction and if if people say oh you've done so much i'm like well i really all i care is about getting like a five book deal and writing Mm -hmm. fiction like if i could just (laughs) that's all i really want to do yeah but then i have oh i like this i want that that's just what a creative person is about as long as you are doing something and you're moving forward and creating and putting stuff out in the world to me that's how it should work and then but you can't make yourself feel bad because you're doing so it's so funny (laughs) because i'm here interviewing you because you've made a mark and people have seen what you've done and you continue to give um creatively and also give back to the community which is a big part of what's important to you and so it's interesting and you're focused a little bit on what you haven't done yet. Oh, yeah. And especially talking about stuff you've already done that you haven't gotten back to, but you've already done it. So yeah, it's, it's, we're so hard on ourselves. I just, I, I just I love making things, and I, I love it so much. It's just such a big part of who I am. So not being able to, to go all in has been a big adjustment. And my daughter's six, and I'm still like, I'm wondering, am I ever going to be able to get back? Or what if by the time I can, am I still going to have it? There's all those things. But I think everybody goes through that. Kid or no kid. You just kind of ride the waves of creativity. But but as the as your daughter gets older, if you unless you're having another child. No, no more. <laughs> yeah, that's it. one and done for me. Then you can start to carve some yeah. time out and make it a schedule, you know. Yeah. I mean, we, don't get me wrong. I'm doing something creative most every day just because I have to. That's just who I am. Like so I can still be wildly creative and what I'm buying for the store. We go all in. So we're still doing stuff. I think as a creative and you where well, your business is creative, it it's hard not to have those feelings sometimes. I just want people to know that it's normal because I think people that's why my handle on Instagram is just a regular human because I feel like people think <sighs> that I am like this bazillionaire that lives in a castle on a hill and everything's happy and I just love I'm just like I don't know I can't tell people have come up to me and when we start talking they're like really like girl come on yes it's hard for all of us yeah everybody everybody I have some I have really strong pieces and I have really like weak pieces too like I'm human 
<laughs> I was in chief this women's network over the last couple of years. I'm no longer in it. It's very expensive, but it, it's been wonderful because I've connected with a lot of women who have reached not the top of their career, but they're in their more senior positions, a little bit more corporate than I am, but just wonderfully supportive people who I've been able to peek under the hood and see we're all have these insecurities. We all strive for so much. We want so much more. We have second, third, fourth acts. We are living longer and longer. And there's a lot of reinvention going on. And But I understand that pressure. I'm 50. I turned 50 this year. And I'm like, you know what? Time's a ticking. I need to go and do the actual things. But I'm very, it's easy to do things that are adjacent to your true desire and not yeah. actually, there's a, a book called The War of Art. Have you read it? Is it The Art of War? No, The, the War, War of, of Art is Stephen Pressfield. It's unbelievable. It. it might just be in my stack that's just beside that. I'm I like, don't, one day I'm going to read you, I promise. Of all the nonfiction, <laughs> self-helpy books, yeah. The War of Art is amazing because okay. it's kind of an ass kicker of a book. So move it up to the top of my pile. Then. Yeah, <laughs> it's short too, but he wrote another one about like, going pro mm-hmm. and it's just about taking yourself seriously. And one of the things I took out of that or maybe a couple books is it's one, a creative person's responsibility to put that stuff out there and it's selfish not to. We're just turning it on its head. Oh, why do I deserve to ha- do this? Or who cares what I think or what I'm going to say? But instead being like, you know what? It's selfish not to. That's what you've been given. There's a very infinitesimal chance that you exist and whatever yeah. you've been given to do that you should actually do it because it's hoarding your talent and ability if you don't put it out there. And okay. so I have to tell mm-hmm. myself, I'm like, well... I don't doubt myself overtly a lot, but it comes through. And I'm listening to these podcasts and I hear myself and others doubt themselves in within mm-hmm. their, the way they speak. There's a lot of equivocating and self-denial. But the truth is you have whatever the gift is and you have a true dream. And a lot of people just do things that are similar to but not quite what they're here to do. And you can go your whole life doing that. That's kind of his point in his books is like going pro. You're a professional, like a lawyer or a doctor, and you have a job and responsibility to live up to what you're capable of. It's super interesting. And I I actually should reread it myself because I think about it. Yeah, so I'm trying to kick my own ass a little bit and be like, yeah, I can do all these other things, but is that the real real thing that I'm here for? I just, I feel connected to you because this is something that is constantly going through my mind, like creativity versus business. And giving myself to one or the other, that money, Do you have the to pay stress. the bills, all of, all of the things. Yes. Like, am I going to lose momentum if I actually go for this one thing? Exactly. Oh, wow. Scary. Yeah, that's an interesting point, mm-hmm. losing momentum. Hey, it's Flo. Are you or your business thinking about starting a podcast? Chorus Studios is scheduling into 2024 and has a few spots left to help you produce your show. So head to our website at chorus-studios.com and fill out the contact form to start a conversation. And we live in a capitalistic society. I used to live in Europe. And in Europe, people were, they really were able to be more creative because they didn't have, they had health insurance. They Mm -hmm. had their basic needs met. If they lost a job, they were covered for up to a year or more and could just be creative and or or just lays around Mm -hmm. but yeah we have a lot of financial pressure so just to get back on topic because i'm so interested in what you have accomplished and yeah because i always wanted to open a store 
then I always go back to, oh my God, I don't know if I can stay in one place all day. You could lose a lot of money. It's a huge financial risk. But you've, by all measures, succeeded in this and multiplied your success. You even endured the pandemic. I'm grateful for your store. And I just wanted to say that too. If cities, and I feel like if cities don't have creative, independent retail with a strong editorial point of view, they just aren't on the map. So it brings up some burning questions. What is it that you like about building a retail store and seeing it grow that has made you keep doing it and evolving over the years? And what are some of the reasons why you think that it has been successful? This is a two-part question. I would say I I love when I hear customers in the store just losing their shit, like just laughing so hard. They found something that's so funny. They're like, oh my God, did you see this? Did you see this? Or like, this is handmade. They're, I mean, it's like their minds are blown. And my daughter says, mommy, this is going to blow your mind. You have to get a new mind. You know, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but I think I, I just, I love being a part of the discovery with the customers, right? And I love seeing a new brand and bringing it in and helping them grow. I like just being a part of this we're the beginning of all this cool stuff. We've had brands that have started really small with us, and then now we've been a part of their growth. It's not just because of us that they're there, but we found them when they were little, and now they're growing and growing and growing and growing, and it's just so cool to be a part of that story. But about the tough aspects of it, like the financial aspects of well, it, I'd or say, the well, buying and the pricing and the... One of the things that's tough is when I first started you know as hand making dresses every single thing in the store was made by hand mostly pretty locally i guess i had people in california too but us and the price point was a little higher and then in 2008 when everything tanked like the whole world at least my world <laughs> retail like just flipped upside down and people weren't going to pay four hundred dollars for a dress that i made by hand so then i was like well i'll do those dresses but custom only and then I'll keep doing my swimsuits, and then I'll start bringing in a variety of price points for two reasons. One, because we would have a brand that would still be a little bit larger than somebody that's making it in their living room, but it would be a product, their product beside one that was handmade down the street, and people couldn't tell that one was handmade and one wasn't. So it almost gave the handmade, you know, because people think, oh, you sell everything handmade, you're going to go in and be like, here's my crochet beer koozie, you know, or like my pom-pom. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, (laughs) honestly, there's a lot of handmade stuff that's not that nice. Oh, yes, that's very true. (laughs) I mean, on Etsy. (laughs) Curation is like a big, Mm. I think it's a good skill that I have, at least for That's the fun part. I love it. But what about the hard part? People not coming in for a few weeks. I don't know, like it just, that stuff's scary. Well, the hard part was having to let go of some of those brands because the price point was too high. And so having or, or seeing things that you want, but you can't have because, you know, the customer isn't going to buy it or being like, hey, customers, what do you want? Do you want more of this? And they're like, yes. And then you bring it in and they're like, no, <laughs> they don't do anything about it. So you have all this inventory that's sitting there. But I feel like yeah, because you do take risks in your store and still Raleigh's fairly conservative. It's liberal politically, yeah. but it's people don't dress it's not New York or San Francisco or one of those places where people are, you know, dressing. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not completely true. I think there's definitely there's a style lot of here. creativity here. And yeah, I wouldn't say that it's... 
New York City, but <laughs> <laughs> New York, El, but like El Paso t- salsa yeah, commercial. Um, yeah, I always think of that commercial. <laughs> yeah, New York City. It's, it ain't New York City, but it's cool, <laughs> man. It's cool. Um, yeah, I. I mean, because you, yeah, so you do take risks, though. I it's not risks. like you're, it's not like H&M. Or, no, you know. I think having to adapt and be nimble. The hard parts are when you're phasing, when you're trying to flip, you're trying to reinvent yourself because the economy tanked. Then you're having to, what do you do with this inventory? How do I move it? What can I do? Like when I had to close Renew. Like what did you do? What did you do? store full of product. What did you do? We created mystery boxes. And that saved the whole company. Oh my that God. That store closing saved the entire company. And then like our online business skyrocketed. Wait a because minute. Because of the pandemic and because having to close that store, that was like the biggest. Closing blessing. that store saved your whole business? Yes. Because you made mystery boxes as a solution. Yes. That's because very we were like, cool. We'll just do it with the Renew products. And we're like, why are we doing it with just that? We could do it with everything. So then we started putting everything online and people would write in and say my mom she lost her brother to covid or my best friend they're they're getting ready to get married and they're having to do it virtual or something like that we want to send her a present and so we would pull very special presents and gift wrap each item and send them and people were loving them and And what would you charge for that you could you could pick any price you wanted so we'd start at 35 because it's really hard to make anything cool sure yeah that right that's a very fair price actually i think we started at 25 and we're like this is so pitiful so So, i mean one thing no you would get a variety of things for 35 yeah that's pretty good that was another you know having a variety of price points in the store has been like i think a key to edgeverge success because it's uh, just about anybody can afford something in there and i think that's important well Listen, I for think, who <laughs> I don't know when people come in and they're like, it costs a hundred dollars. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. But anyway, you know, do you know, boxes. do you remember Mark by Mark Jacobs' yes. little store that he had? There was like five dollar, three dollar. I was like, I thought that was so genius. And then I think I don't know if, when what the timing is, but because I didn't even know Target existed when I was little mm-hmm. until it had its whole reinvention. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know it's an old store. I didn't know that, but. It's a genius pricing strategy because those very low cost things make you, you know, you are getting a deal and you're like, oh, it's fun little cute things in the front of the store. Sorry to compare your store to, to, to Target. I am not <laughs> doing that. But but for a big box store, it's very creative that way, right? Yeah. The little $1 things. Mm-hmm. And then you don't realize you're also then picking up the $30 thing and the $60 thing. And then suddenly you're spending two $300 at Target. Yeah. But it is that mix, having those loss leader type of mm-hmm. products which is a term I learned when I took my Etsy course that I took that was so, which I was I regret in every single way, other than I learned what a loss I've leader was. Heard, I've never heard loss leader. I'm over here like, mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, I've <laughs> never heard no idea. A loss leader is the one thing I learned from this woman who otherwise I feel like just stole my money, yeah. was in, something that you're losing money on that costs very little, but it brings people into the oh, okay. store. Okay, that makes sense. The loss leaders, mm-hmm. the small little things that you, you almost get them that sell them at cost. But you intuitively know, you know all this stuff. I had to like take a course and spend $2,500 just to learn that one thing. because <laughs> I've messed up a lot and I'm like, oh, don't do that again. Let's try it this way. <laughs> I mean, it's still a mystery yeah. how you do this. So apparently the economy is booming, but a lot of people, including myself, have, were laid off in the last year and it's been tough out there. For, for a lot of people, I'm not shopping at Edge of Urge 
and I can't wait to go back, but because I don't have any money, I have to just buy toilet paper and paper towels and groceries. And I'm just like sitting on my hands, like wanting to buy fashion items from the stores around here that I really love, which mostly is your store and Uniquities. I I actually really like to, Mm -hmm. very different kind of store. But so are you finding that there's a, a little bit of a crunch right now or... Is it just me? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I see it. I see it all around. I feel it by the prices going up everywhere. Like, right. I think everybody feels it. And if they don't, then good on you, buddy. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but, right. Uh, I feel like the store, we're up this year, and I'm grateful for it. I you keep saying going it out up. loud. I just want to just knock on my head, knock on every piece of wood. But oh. I've worked really hard and to you know we have this team and we're we're trying to be nimble trying to be creative and responsive to what's happening around us and that's all i can say you know what i think so when i was walking around downtown yesterday near moore square and all these stores are boarded up and and i my heart sinks because the energy is not there i can feel energy and i'm like Mm -hmm. this is not good i know it will come back but it it feels depressing a little bit And I think it's so something psychological, the sense of abundance when you walk into a creative independent retail store and it's the shelves are stocked. It's even happening in, in New York where it's just bare mm-hmm. and it doesn't, it doesn't feel the same as it used to. It's more like 90s New York. There's a feeling of despair and, and scarcity. So going into your store, it's really important for the community to that feeling of like beautiful things and, and many of them. And it seems to some like frivolous it's not a basic necessity but in my mind it is close to being a basic necessity to feel that like the human endeavor and the human touch in things and so i think what you do on that just on that level is so important to community i don't know if you know that (laughs) well i i love that and i think you know there is a lot of fear like everything's going to go online all you know retail's going to go away and i'm like if it does, I'm going to be really, really bummed out. But I feel like there's so much value in human connection. And for me, not everybody can be inspired by looking at something online. Like I said, I like to go in and see. I like to paint the whole wall first. I like to experience it in real life. Um, yeah, absolutely. Have you been to Colette in Paris? or? Actually, I have. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was an awesome store. That, yeah. uh, so my husband had a work trip before he before he quit that job and I went with him and oh my gosh I can't believe you just said that yeah we went there and it was so awesome and I just remember thinking oh I would love to have a building like this with multiple stories and when we were kids there's this place called Daryl's okay restaurant so my husband grew up in Winston-Salem I grew up in Greensboro so they must have been I know they had one in Greensboro but he remembers it too but you go in and it'd be like Mom, I want to sit there. And it's in a carousel in the sky. I'm going to eat my dinner riding on the back of this bull. It was like sideshow attraction kind of place. That's a kooky. perfect answer. I so love it. Actually, yes. I am. This, I'm so glad you said that. So that was a beautiful French version of it. But where you go in and you're like, whoa, I haven't seen anything like this before. Or I just want to, I just want to go in just so I can see. I just want to see it. I don't care if I leave with anything, but I just want to see. So... Edge of Verge and Unlikely are very much like that. Like we have taxidermy. I mean, I'm not the one that's shooting these animals down, but we've bought some from people who are no longer hunters and they were in their family and they just 
want that to go someplace loved. So we have things like that that I look at it every day when I come in and I'm like, oh my God, you're so cute. I just, kooky things. Yeah. Wow, I'm really lit up by this question now. At first I was like, I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> sideshow attraction just. Because that's like, what retail has to be now. Oh it's, my a, gosh, it's a, it's a, it's a, have you ever heard of Meow Wolf? So yeah, I haven't been, but I've heard of it. Yeah. So I love Alamo Draft House. I always yeah. I mention it like every ten minutes. You create a little world. Yeah. In your stores, so I love this idea of Daryl's. I've got to look up Daryl's. Yeah. In my mind, like when I close my eyes, I'm like, oh my god, I got to sit up there. I just remember all this, the wild seats, and so we have like an old 1950s Jeep in unlikely and we've got my very first motorcycles in there so if you're not there to shop or you're shopping with somebody they can look around and just get you inspiration know, i have to say i haven't been in there and maybe because it's in. a men's store it's not just men's it's just masculine i would say more masculine theme but we have clothing that no i have to go in there i know there's I, a beer and wine bar in there it's too. just because i'm sequestered in my home with my children momming so hard. yeah <laughs> aggressive momming well we do this event there monthly called tarot and toasts and it's free so you could come and do like free wine tasting and then there is a, a and you woman. get to get your tarot cards mm-hmm. read no you do pay for the tarot reading but the the hangs are free and there's a free wine tasting and it's super fun nice so i love tarot cards and that is one of the things that i spend a lot of time on in your store is looking at i have i think three sets of tarot cards yeah yeah, I really love them. I've I've wanted to I want to make a tarot card set myself. Oh, that would be awesome. I'm not an illustrator or anything, but I am a writer and I'm trying to figure out how to do that in my next life. See? There's Hey, here we go. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sitting over here like, "Oh my god, girl. I just want to talk to you about this." <laughs> I know. Look, we could do this. We, could, we, could do we should have lunch. I want to <laughs> I want to start a paper company. I paper love goods. This. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I, why I took this Etsy course, that, which was a sham. And I, she said to do things. She's like, go to Hobby Lobby and buy something and spray paint it gold and sell it. Uh, I'm like, I am in the wrong. What is this? Because yeah. I sold nine greeting cards. <laughs> and then I took this course. And she's like, do this, that, and the other, seven different product lines. And I'm like, buying all this garbagey stuff. And and then I suddenly go, I'm just, what am I doing? I'm not a stay-at-home mom making things at home what am I doing I was like making friendship bracelets and then of course I started thinking super high concept with the friendship bracelets but I'm like I am way off course and I need to pay the bill I just shut it all down I did had an Etsy shop like no one was going I went from nine sales taking to the course to like no one even visiting it even with all the SEO but I do want to I'm going to make a line of journals and I'm going to probably come to your store and see if you'll buy some holla yeah (laughs) so I love the I love paper products yeah and I don't even stationary, mm-hmm. not not like cards, but journals and beautiful paper things. And you have a lot of that in your store. So I go in there and just look at it and touch those things. And I kind of also moved from fashion to home goods and accessories. So I used to have a website called Girl on the Street in New York, and then I had one called What Women Make in Europe. Mm-hmm. So it was all about that, women, yeah. and it went from fashion and street style to industrial design and furniture. So I think maybe really as you get cool. older. I'm not, yeah. I love fashion, but I, yeah. I I like my own style. I like beautiful things. Style, yeah. Style. style. Not, personal style. Yeah, not, down. I don't follow the fashion shows anymore. It's mm-hmm. weird. Like, it just isn't interesting to me. Anyway, enough about me. So, this is important. Let's bring us down to Raleigh. So, why Raleigh? I know you started out in Wilmington. So, why did you decide to come inland? Well, I knew that I wanted to grow my business. And I thought, I want to open another store, but I didn't want to do it in Wilmington. I mean, it's pretty small. 
Wilmington's kind of cool, though. It is cool. I love Wilmington. I don't know it that well, but I've gone to the beach and I go to, and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of cute little stuff here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, a good crew in Wilmington, lots of creativity. But it's, it's gotten even better since I left. It's gotten even better. What happened? It's like <laughs> Jesse Lee's town in Wilmington is like super They're like, cool. oh, finally she's gone. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's party. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I wanted to grow my business and I wanted to open another store. And I was just trying to think, where do I go? Where do I go? I had been to Raleigh a few years before I opened to check it out. And it just didn't, wasn't resonating. What year was that? Uh, let's see. So I, November 5th will be our ninth year here. So it must have been like, here I go mathing again. I can't believe when I do the accounting for the company, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, that's what I, w- I mean. I wanted to get into how do you do all the accounting when you're oh, a creative yeah. person and you have to, that's what's so daunting to me is the math of it all. checks after me, but yeah, I do the wow. day-to-day stuff. But genius. So let me bring out my calculator. It was maybe <laughs> five years before I moved to Raleigh, like actually moved and I remember they were building North Hills and we were like, maybe here is it. And, you know, so I'm so <laughs> glad we didn't do it. Not that I'm not dissing on North Hills, but it, no, that is not where we belong. So a few years later, a friend of mine, he had Lumina clothing. It was a men's, menswear brand. And he was moving to a new location. And he was like, Jess, man, you should, you should. It was another one of those things like Jess, like my, my mom, Jess, you go to Wilmington and open a store. He's like, Jess, there's a space. You should just, I know you've been talking about opening a new one just open right beside us. So where we are now on Person Street Plaza, it was one big space, but neither one of us could afford the whole thing. So they divided it up. So you were there. You started off in that same place? Yeah. Okay. So, we, we, so he had one, what's now two roosters, and then mm. we had the other space. And yeah, I was like, all right, here we go. We had a lot of customers from that would come to Wilmington from Raleigh, tons of them who so were like, Raleigh makes sense. We should, if there's, that's that's a good place. It's not that far <laughs> says to herself no, why, why like, not Asheville not why not Charleston I don't know yeah I think Raleigh it was more of a gut feeling trusting my gut but was there something when you came here that you loved was there anything that would like hit you like oh, I'm trying oh. to get there but my words are just like bleh, 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 right now <laughs> but let's see here let's see so I found the space so Lumina uh, Paul he's the one that showed that introduced me to this area of town you know, because I had only known about North Hills or downtown. And downtown to me just wasn't, it just didn't feel right. You know, I just know it when I see it. And North Hills just didn't seem right. But when he showed me this space, it's like right beside Raleigh City Farm. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. They do a farm stand and then wine authorities. I'm like, what? Have you heard their story? Like everything is like 50 and under and they specialize in small independent makers. And I'm like, hello, who, who that is do, like does? Wine Authorities, the store oh, right next oh, door to I didn't us. Know that. So it was like the edge of verge of wine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. And then Yellow Dog Bread, you know, it's like a small independently owned bakery. And then Person Street Bar. And I was like, oh my I know, God, I love, like, these I, I love that area are my so people much. and I want to be here. Like I would take the risk with them because we're all working really hard. We're all independently owned. And this is exactly like I'm ready to move here and sign the lease. And so I did. What year was that? 2014. And I signed the lease. And it started out with a bang because we opened in November. So holiday. And I was like, "Whoa, this is awesome. This is the best decision I ever made. And then January comes and I'm like, oh, this is like really slow. <laughs> and then February, March, and I'm like, oh boy, this is a bad decision. And then the summer, I was like, where did everybody go? And I, 
it took me, I thought that I was going to lose everything because it was so slow because people just weren't shopping there. There wasn't any foot traffic. They would come to Winathart. They would come for the food. Everybody else had food and, bu- and booze. They would come there, but they wouldn't come to me. And then it was like year three. I had met with my lawyer. was like, I think I'm going to have to, I guess I'm, I'm losing. This is it. It's over. And all of a sudden, something just clicked. And it, I was well, like, I can pay the bills. What do you think it was? I think it just takes time. You know, like I had a, a pretty well-oiled machine in Wilmington. But when I came here, the customers, they don't want the same stuff that they want in Wilmington. Like they like a diverge and they like some of the same things, but the assortment had to be different. So I had to learn how to adapt. How'd you learn what other people, what people wanted? I think I would just, you know, listen as they're walking around and they would say, that's cute, but it's like too young or like, I love that, but that price like, uh, or when something would sell really fast, I'd get more of it in quickly. Oh, I was nice. there seven days a week for so three years. So this is years. what I would want to ask you. <laughs> what, how, you know, part of the reason why we started this podcast is is to understand what is Raleigh because there is not a big brand to Raleigh. You know, yeah. when I talk to my friends from other places, you know, they're like, oh, I hear Raleigh's pretty cool. Like, it's on the list of great places to live. But there's this saying that it's a great place to live, not a great place to visit because there's no focal point or they don't have a big sports team, which I could care less about. But what would you say is what are people in Raleigh like the creative vibe how would you describe it is there there might be no answer I don't know the answer but like if somebody if you were you know in another part of the world or like oh what's Raleigh like what would you say I feel like in the business owner realm it seems refreshingly supportive by the time I left Wilmington I didn't feel that there you know it felt more like cutthroat and I'm like really why is everybody trying to take everything like why can't we just work together and so it was so refreshing and and I feel like Wilmington's gotten a lot better it's much more I feel like just life in general people are finally learning that there's power in numbers and I think here right it's not a pie that whole thing it's not a pie there's enough for everybody yeah which you know that scarcity mindset which I I've had and I still struggle with I have to fight it really hard like how do you feel when another store opens good or oh bad my God, I get absolutely terrified because I'm like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh and I'm like calm down you've been doing this and and it's like it's a trigger because it's like I I have to think back to remember how freaked out I got and then they'd open and I'd be like Why are you even freaked out you're so different or what if I opened sledge of nerds right now just kidding <laughs> Probably would have like just I would, Oh my god! Can you believe Chelsea opened Sledge of Nerd? Like what, what not, the heck? Jesse, it has nothing to do with Edge of Urge. It's Sledge of Nerd. Yeah. I'm, how are you even? <laughs> it's so funny, but after 21 years, it's still it's still a trigger. So I would think I I used to think that, but the truth is, is if you had other stores that were oh, related, yeah. you would people would walk by. No, I I know that is the I truth. Know. You need that, more I know than there one. Is enough. Otherwise, it's too far away. But yeah, you, you can't help but, well, I, I still have those feelings. Now, they don't take over me anymore like they used to. They used to put me into a state of paralysis or panic. But I'm not going to lie and say that I don't feel it. Well, I'd be pissed off if it was very similar, like merchandise oh, yeah. mix. I mean, I've had people come into my store, cruise around. I'm like, wow, I'm seeing your face a lot. And then you find out that they open a store, you know, and I'm like, a few months later, and whatever, I'm glad that I'm your inspiration. That's fine. But it doesn't... I have to say, I can't think of another store that's similar or... I know, but... 
or even people, I mean I don't think there's enough of them I think it's just for me there's I'm still doing so much personal work on self-worth and I've been trying to expedite that process of getting better because I have a daughter who's witnessing it so um, well, if you just hire this code for $9,999, yeah, by the end of this 20 minute, <laughs> otherwise yeah. you don't care about your future. Yeah. But again, I'm a human being. I have feelings too. Yeah. When, when I hear new places open up, I get a little nervous, but I, it definitely doesn't put me, used to put me into a really nasty, like a part I did not like. I can't imagine that in you. You seem so, so open hearted. Oh, I am. But I'm, it was more of scared. Like, oh my gosh, I've worked so hard and they're just going to come in and overnight take everything away from me. That is the fear. And if it's everybody has the same thing, then everybody loses. So yeah, that doesn't work either. But yeah, I tend to... I used to go like real deep inward, like, oh, everything's over. Oh, oh. <laughs> and, and now I just, I'm like, oh, man, here we go. And I pointed out, I'm like, I'm having those feelings again, I'm having those feelings again. And I'm like, but you know what? You've done this for 21 years and you got this, you got this. But the feelings, they pop up, but they don't attack okay. me. Okay. Like I think used there to. needs to be a support system here because I get it. But I, you know, it's just like that has to end somewhere with someone with a 21 year successful Amen. run. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, okay, just to change gears for a second here because we were getting into it. These are some more, one more big question, and then so there's going to be some rapid fire kind of things. What are some of your other favorite places in North Carolina? Just places that you like to go on the weekend. I I love North Carolina. I grew up here. I moved away because I was going to be a big city girl. And then I came back for several reasons. There's an amazing culture. There's so much good music. There's so much good food. We have seasons here. We get all four seasons. Um, I love the you know just the difference and how you can drive a few hours and you can be at the beach or you can go to the mountains and there's good old country good old country good old feelings like that and then there's like you know there's people who've moved here from all over and there's i don't know it's just it's it's a very warm diverse place that i think gets a bad bad reputation you know people like north carolina everybody talks like yes ain't nobody got no brain in the head you know, it's like that is that is that has a also has a very warm place in my heart. I love all of that, but I just think it's it's fun, it's beautiful, it's creative. There's space to breathe. The air's nice. Um, I agree with all of these things. Yeah. If you could dream up, let's say, five more stores, I know <laughs> that Raleigh could use to complement what you do. What would they be? What do you think, Raleigh, as a mix? What do you, you know, and you're a curator, what would you put in Raleigh? It could be, actually, it could be restaurants. It could be bars. It could be, it doesn't have to be retail stores. But what do you think is missing here to complement what you do? Well, I will say, yesterday, we were looking for crunchy tacos. <laughs> My daughter is so picky. She doesn't want to eat anything. But all of a sudden, she wants a crunchy taco. And other than Chipotle or Taco Bell, I couldn't find any place with a crunchy taco. So we went and got went to another place. And I, my husband and I picked out every chip that had like a little bit of a curve. And we ordered her soft tacos and tried to make her little crunchy tacos. So a place that offers crunchy tacos would be amazing until, she, until they open and then she doesn't want them anymore. Yeah, um, exactly. 
You can't have her be the one. Besides <laughs> the future of Raleigh. Look, let me let me help you. I know because my kids are nuts like that. They want something so bad and then um, they forget oh, it yeah. exists Gosh, as soon as they. This is a tough question. Um, I know you know, so you've expressed some insecurity and fear. But the fact is, if you walk down the street in Los Angeles or New York, in these little neighborhoods, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I want to go to that neighborhood because there's that six really cool places. Otherwise, I. C- I feel like breakfast is a big like. There's a big missing. Like, why is somebody not dominating the breakfast scene? And then Mondays, why is everybody closed on Monday? Like, I know people need breaks, but like coffee closed on Monday? Oh my gosh, like that's the day you need coffee the most. Um, I feel like somebody doing something awesome for breakfast. Now, I'm not in the food business, and maybe because it's breakfast, it's just hard to make money because there's no real alcohol sales. I don't know. But I would love more breakfast joints. Retail. I, w- I will say, do what I do think that Raleigh needs would be more support for retail. I like, more support. Like, it is, I didn't get my first loan until I'd been in business for 15 years. 15 years. How did you pay for the I mean, I had, lease when you first started? Um, well, my rent was $400. I moved in with my mom, and all my inventory was free, you know? So. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. I started out slow. I could never open a store. But when store. you moved to Raleigh, it wasn't $400, I'm sure. No, it wasn't. But also, it was minimalist. Remember? <laughs> it was like, yeah. everything's like, there's barely anything <laughs> in here. Um, so, yeah, I feel like more what Raleigh needs before any of that can happen, honestly, any more retail is more of places that you can rent that don't cost your whole like give your first second third baby you know f- to have a lease well I, everything is so expensive and the leases are like we want percentage of your sales we want this we want this and like really they're hardcore and i'm like if you're trying to start a business for the first time there's no step up i mean don't get me wrong now some of these people will are will bend as much as humanly possible for them to help you get there but even still it can be hard for people so I would love to see all these people that own all of this real estate, like if, like help people get up and up and. Well, I, I interviewed more. David Meeker last week. I love him. Yeah, he said he loved you, so that's mutual. Yeah. and he was talking about that. I don't know, you know, if it's enough, but drastically lowering the yeah. rent on the first floor mm-hmm. because you know. And then I walked around downtown and I saw all these boarders. I'm like, it's it's better to have somebody in there, even if it's for free. So I told him this on LinkedIn. I read in London, like in Oxford Circus, you know, very obviously outrageously expensive real estate. The government and another something, they're fun, funding artists and creatives to take those bottom floors so that it's not all like lotto ticket yeah. and I love London umbrellas. Mm-hmm. And it was a very contentious argument in the comment thread when people are like, well, if, you know, if they can't pay for it, then it's not a real business. It shouldn't be subsidized. I think it's to the benefit of real estate developers to, in right now, in the situation that we're in, give it away for free for a certain amount of time yeah, and just I mean, see where it goes. I, I don't know. I feel like there needs to be skin in the game. 
I think right. there's so many creative people that, that could totally slay if they just were given the opportunity. And they're not asking for it for free. They're asking for it for a reasonable rate. Right, right, right. You know, without trying to Incentives. Like, yeah. Some incentive like, or runway. And have uh, goals. If we get here, then yes, we will we'll raise, they can monitor sales. And if we get to this goal, then here we, then you raise our rent to here and then have cutoffs because I feel like there's a better way to create more of a win-win instead of these people hoarding all this inventory and they're not sharing it. Well, there should be a roundtable discussion about this once a month until we get to a solution. I I mean, if I ever am a millionaire or or a thousandaire (laughs) and I own, um, you know, real estate, I would just, if I were, if I, I would just want to give back. Because it's what it, you can't take it with you. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. That. That. And also, it's just <sighs> we need that creativity and something and visual creative yeah. excellence in the world. And without. And it, I'm not it's saying like that's not depressing. happening at all down here because I I do know that there are people who are like Meeker. He's created a lot of opportunity for other business owners and the downtown Raleigh Alliance. They're always looking for ways to help people. So I'm not saying that it's not there. I just wish it was more universal. You brought up Meow Wolf. Well, they're Omega Mart and Vegas and all of that stuff. I would say, to me, I'm, I haven't seen it in real life yet. We're dying to take June there, our daughter, to go for an adventure because she loves wild and crazy things too. I don't know where she gets it from. But I would say right now, that whole vibe, the Meow Wolf, Omega Mart, just absolute ridiculousness. The grocery store that is just insanity and then the colors and... I love this commune of artists that just come together and just take over. It's been very inspiring to watch. That's awesome. That's a great answer. I'm just, I was just thinking in terms of like Raleigh in another city, it should model itself after or an inspiration yeah. city. So Raleigh is very techy. I love Raleigh. It's so mm-hmm. great, but I'm a bona fide creative type. I love business too, but I love the visual world. And that's something that's kind of missing for me here overall, not your store. <laughs> but and, and even though there's great museums, I could name a bunch of great things, but it just doesn't feel like a creative artsy city mm-hmm. like some other cities. What do you think we need to draw more of a creative community or bring creatives together so that it could be a destination for us artsy types, creative mm-hmm. types? I don't know because I feel like I've had the like a bit of the opposite. Really, I feel like I've met so many creative people, and then from meeting them, they show you inside this world that I didn't even know was there. There's Gag Raleigh, and in that they they put on these like big parties in Raleigh Durham area, but inside of there are a wealth of creative human beings, musicians, performers, all kinds of things. And then from there, they know so many people who are, it's a, a spider web of just magnetic creativity. And I feel okay, so like- So I don't, it's just that I don't know about it. I think maybe you just haven't found your spot yet. Kind of like what I was saying, favorite cities. For me, I think what makes something a favorite, like a place is the people, is like having a network because I could live in... You say that you don't like New York because they're not that friendly, and I say they're friendly because... You found your network, yeah, right? I'm right. always there kind of passing through, right? Right, so it's true of everything. Like, even neighborhoods different. in New York, yeah. in, if it's your neighborhood, you're like, oh, I get, I got mm-hmm. this, I know my neighborhood, and you have that rapport. I, yeah, I think connection is what makes it feel so sure. good. I wish I could remember the name of this city, and I was traveling through with my husband. It was right outside of... It was in the Netherlands, 
and I can't remember it, but I just mm-hmm. I remember it was freezing cold, and I just was wandering around. I was like, whoa, this is so beautiful. And then I went into this little restaurant, and in there was all of these artists, and it just felt like, oh, if there's something going on here. That's how I, I feel. In, that's here, how I feel in London. London is like, yeah. ooh, it's like that's my. Yeah, if so I lived much. here, I know that I could make friends once I could speak the language. I feel very connected <laughs> here, and people are so supportive yeah. and. As a mom, mm-hmm. and I, I've made great friends, just good people that yeah. I feel have integrity and good values. I wanted to start in Paris. I had a writer's group, and I've done stuff online, and they're mostly New Yorkers. I want to find a writer's community here, and I, I haven't really found that. So yeah. I'm, I'm still searching for that, especially maybe in my age group general well, age the next group. thing I was going to say is that I do feel like we're pretty close in age, but a lot of the people I'm speaking of are younger than us. <laughs> yeah, right. That, yeah. Little baby kids. They're also free and can go do anything anytime they want because they're, that's just a sure. lifestyle that they have right now in their season of life. But it is hard to find. I've had a harder time finding it in my age group. But yeah. It's just because they're not made, maybe just haven't found it yet, but it's there. It's just. I'd like to elevate that mm-hmm. here. That's part of my interest in this mm-hmm. podcast. Please follow or subscribe so you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon, Raleigh.